Why Do We Sound So Good? Because we're at Dead Aunt Thelma's studio and Mike Moore is engineering for us. Thanks, Dead Aunt Thelma's. Thanks, Mike. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Adventures in Artslandia. I am sitting across from Lindsay Osi, who is in Orfeo and Uridice, somewhat close Perfect. to the actual <laughs> Italian pronunciation. It is going to play at Portland Opera at the Newmark Theater on Friday, July 27th, opening 7.30 p.m., July 29th at 2, July 31st at 7.30, August 2nd at 7.30, and August 4th at 7.30. You can get every bit of information you have ever wanted about seeing this opera at portlandopera.org. But more importantly, now you're going to know why you're going to want to see it, because you're going to want to see Lindsay O.C. Here she is. <laughs> You can also go online and see her playing the ukulele. So uh, describe to us what you were doing when you were playing the ukulele on the Tilakum Ridge. Well, yes, I do have a hobby of ukulele playing, and it's something that I like to take with me on every gig. You know, I'm stuck in a hotel room by myself. Pull out the old ukulele and make some music. Always makes me happy. But I, I like to take whatever aria I'm singing in that particular opera and do it ukulele style. Yeah, something a little different. So I recorded the aria that I'm singing from this opera um, right in front of the beautiful Tilikum Bridge here at the Portland Opera building. And it's a lovely day, lovely view, but a great city to play this in. I love it because <laughs> as I was driving up, I saw the big sign, go to opera. Right. <laughs> and you know, how do we make opera relevant? I mean, Lindsay, you're a young woman. You're oh, in man. a field that is really you don't really think of it as a young person's field anymore. It's true. It's true. But, um, you know, I think if you if you dig a little deeper, look a little closer, you see that opera can really appeal to anybody. While it does have kind of the stereotype of being stuffy and only for old rich people, that's not true. I mean, it's for them as well, but it's for anybody who likes entertainment. And back in the day, it really was. It, it was, was the only. Everyone. And, yeah, exactly. And I know people today think, oh, I can't go to the opera, I don't speak Italian, but there are super titles, so right. you always know exactly what's going on. And the productions we do today are just so creative and different, phenomenal. This particular production is so beautiful. It's done by um, director Chaz Rita Schreiber and then his partner designer, uh, Jacob Clymer, and they, oh, <laughs> it's beautiful. Gorgeous dresses, rose petals everywhere. It's heartbreaking. It's mm. divine. It's I, Everybody would love this story. It sounds like such a beautiful story and, and just an, an exciting and fun way to see the opera, especially because you're in a very intimate space, yes. which is unusual. Yes, yes. Well, you know, these operas were written for spaces about the size of the Newmark. And mm -hmm. while it's really exciting to do um, operas in the Keller, Portland also does things there. You can do these amazing giant sets and it's quite a spectacle. So it's nice to sometimes move to a theater like the Newmark where Everybody in the back row can still see every expression. You can sing super quietly and everybody can hear everything. It's just more intimate and, I don't know, I really like the new mark, so. <laughs> now, I'm curious, as a woman in opera today, mm -hmm. what do you know about Yoridice that is something that young women could lift up as uh, heroic or, you know, as she is a heroine of the story? Sure. Well, you know, it's interesting. We've been talking in rehearsal about how Yuridice, you know, she's actually kind of a, a bit of a feminist icon here. So the story of Orpheus in the underworld is Orpheus is married to Eurydice, Eurydice. She dies of a snake bite. He's brokenhearted. And the gods say, you can have her back if you manage to travel through hell, 
find her, manage to bring her out without making eye contact, without looking at her, and you can't tell her why you can't look at her. So if you can do that, you're home free. Mm -hmm. So he goes down through hell, he gets there, he finally finds her and says, all right, honey, let's go. And she says, why, what's the hurry? Everything's wonderful. Oh, I'm so happy to see you. Let's just enjoy our time now. And he's so frustrated that he can't tell her why he can't look at her. He just says, listen to your husband, quiet, let's go. That sounds like fighting words. Yeah, it's not really what you want to say <laughs> to anybody. <laughs> so she uh, she gets a little upset. Mm -hmm. I know, she sings a, sings a pretty intense aria talking about what torment and torture this is for her. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's, and you know... Seeing a person you love in distress is also torture for you. So poor Orpheus, is, he can't tell her, but he's heartbroken. So I love that she doesn't just blindly follow him out. does make the story a little more complicated, but she holds her own. When was this written? I don't know offhand. Do you? I'm oh, just curious in terms gosh. of... It was, uh, you know, I don't know my exact date, but it is 17... Early 1700s, I believe. Isn't it's, that interesting? Because those ideas certainly oh, have yeah. followed us as long as oh, we can go back totally. in time. Well, Women being wondering what and how they should listen to Yeah. Them. Yeah. It's, I don't know, it's, it's interesting because mm -hmm. she doesn't just blindly follow him. She challenges his, his power a little bit. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. So what led you to an opera career? Oh my gosh. Uh, well, you know, I was, um, <laughs> I was always musical. I come from a musical family. My father is a high school orchestra teacher. Mm -hmm. And so growing up, I played different instruments. But um, for some reason, I thought, oh, it's such a pain to have to practice the cello and carry that giant instrument around. I know. Singing will be easier. <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> but um, it turns out I do really enjoy being on stage and wearing the cool costumes and telling stories. You know, mm -hmm. it's kind of amazing that that's my job. Right. You know, right? I mean, you understand. I do. You perform I understand. all the time. It, we got to perform together. Like mother and daughter. Right. Another daughter who didn't listen to her father. <laughs> Golly, it just it just keep, keeps going. Right. It's a theme with me. I don't right. Know. <laughs> and mom and the wife didn't listen to her father. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's a con it's a constant theme. Yeah. It's yeah. so fascinating. So, are you excited to be back in Portland? Oh, I, got, I love it. I was a young artist with Portland Opera from uh, 2011 to 2013. Mm -hmm. So, I lived here for two years, and I've since moved away, and I you know, perform here and there, but it's always such a joy to come back here. And I have to say, actually, this is the first time I've spent summer in Portland, mm. and... Yep, it's gorgeous. It okay, is. that's you know that pretty much sells it for the rest of the year. That's <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. So I'm. You've not played Yudhiviche before. I haven't. And how do you digest a role of this size? Uh, you know, well, so like for any role, the first thing I do is I go to the text because even though I am an opera singer. I'm really, I'm an actress, you know, I'm mm -hmm. communicating a story, and opera is just the medium through which I'm communicating. So I go to the text, I translate it, because I'm not fluent in Italian, you know, I can, I can get around, but I translate it, I uh, see kind of the background of the story, do some character study there, and, and then I, I jump into the music. This particular opera, it's written by the composer Gluck, he, um, he's right before Mozart, but he's right after Monteverdi, so he kind of bridges the gap between Baroque and classical music, so you hear 
a little bit of both. It's really interesting. But there's a lot of something called recitative, which is sort of like speak singing. Mm -hmm. And I really love that because it's just like delivering lines. You, know? mm -hmm. you don't have to think, oh, is my breath control right? Oh, here comes a high note. You just got to speak, sing, act, you know, mm -hmm. so you can really get all the drama there. Mm -hmm. And then you get to an aria and it's beautiful, but with most arias, you are sort of just repeating the same text over and over again. Mm -hmm. An aria is a, a moment frozen in time that mm -hmm. you can expand on, but the rest, it gets the story moving. Mm -hmm. So as somebody who really likes acting, that's my favorite part. Oh. And this particular opera has a lot of that. Oh, a lot of opportunity, so. It's so interesting. I mean, I know as a regional actor myself that you are constantly, you're performing, you're working, you're doing jobs that you've right. gotten. And then you're also learning new material. Yeah. Then you're also looking for jobs. How do you, what is your normal day like, you know, when you are in rehearsal and it may be different, you know, right. when you're in rehearsal, you have right. to give a lot more time to the yeah. to rehearsal space. Well, you know, it's interesting there, there really isn't a normal day per se mm -hmm. so um let's see i i began learning this role um i i was hired for this role maybe about a year plus ago and i, I have since then had a number of gigs and so I, I kind of worked on this on and off for the past year you know go back to it a little bit then work on whatever i'm doing with coaches different yeah, coaches exactly. or one coach in particular um you know since i'm always in a different part of the country it, mm -hmm. it is usually somebody different. I'll just kind of see who's around, or oh, I know this pianist who lives in Albuquerque, so I'll check in with them. When you're in New Mexico, yeah. But a lot of the preparation I do on my own. It involves me walking around whatever apartment or hotel I'm staying at the time, saying Italian texts to myself until it feels natural. I kind of look a little bit like a crazy person because I'm just walking around going, "Hey, tu, mingano, dove, ma quale?" So now that's another way, like you say, we're trying to make opera relevant, right. you know, just standing on the Tillicombe Bridge and repeating that Italian. People <laughs> you know, are like, why are you doing that? Well, actually, there's an opera Right. On. If any of your listeners have been walking around the Morrison Bridge and the, the Esplanade lately, they may have seen myself or Sandra, Sandra Peaks Eddie just speaking to themselves in Italian. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we figure it's Portland, right? It's okay. I think a lot of artists do that because whenever I'm learning a new concert or new material, I run a lot and I'll yeah. put on my headphones and I just, because also it's great for breast support. Totally. I just kind of sing in a light voice yeah, right? yeah, yeah. and I'm memorizing, memorizing and I think, you know, sometimes it may not be that good and people might think it's okay, but you know, it's, it's okay. Right, right. But it's, it's nice to get out and I don't know, I just, I love languages and in fact, I think it's so much fun to see opera, especially if you're studying a language. Yeah. And anyone who's studying Italian, needless to say, come see it because with the supertitles, it's so much fun. When yes. I see it, because I speak kind of a, like a high intermediate French-ish, <laughs> um, whenever I see an opera in French, it's so much fun because, well, what's a crack up is I look at the supertitle, I'm like, wow, I really understand it. Then I close my eyes, I'm like, no, I don't really Right? <laughs> but you do, you pick out words, mm -hmm. you know, you think, basta. You know, I know that word. I know that. And it's, it's it's really fun. It really is. Yeah. What do you think this offers a great uh, piece for uh, parents to take their kids? Or what what do you think is a good age range? Yeah, you know, I I think uh, I think kids could really get a kick out of it, especially. I mean, I if you have been learning the Greek mythology, I mentioned that I 
learned it in high school. I don't think I even learned it before. Is I remember both they... of my daughters learning that. Yeah. Yes. And so it's really cool to see the story kind of set up. And uh, the director has chosen to do this particular opera set in the time period uh, of which it was written. So mm -hmm. it's all kind of 1700s. So mm -hmm. you get beautiful dresses, mm -hmm. all sorts of cool hairstyles and things mm -hmm. like that. And so the spectacle of it is really cool. And I'm not going to spoil any of the special effects that we have going on, but mm -hmm. it's pretty cool. Another uh, fun aspect of this particular production is that we have some professional dancers mm -hmm. in with us as well. That's right, I read that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, and they are amazing. Mm -hmm. There are parts where um, they just they dance around us and and we're supposed to smile at them. And the smile is so natural, you mm -hmm. can't help but smile at this gorgeous movement that's going on. Mm -hmm. It's I don't know. It's, I think there's something for everybody, you know. So now the underworld is Hades, but there's dancers. Yeah. Well, so we we don't spend the <laughs> welcome Hades. <laughs> well, so we don't we don't spend the entire time in the underworld. Orpheus starts on Earth, mm -hmm. and he's pretty sad. So we get some stuff there, and then he goes through Hades, and he has to make his way through the Furies. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine there's going to be some pretty crazy dancing there. It's called Dance of the Furies. Well, that seems apt. <laughs> but then he makes it through the underworld into Elysium, which is sort of where the people who have died but aren't bad get to go. You know what I mean? Oh. So it's good to know that Eurydice didn't go to hell. She went to the underworld, you know? Right, right. right. Okay, okay. Yeah. So there's a distinction. There. Right. And even in her aria, too, that when she's yelling at Orpheus, she says, you won't even look at me. I think I prefer death. To going back with you because that's pretty nice here. Oh, isn't that mm. interesting? Right. So she actually has a real choice to make: go back with this man who won't even look at her, or mm. you know, say "I love you, let's go," or enjoy this new place. It doesn't mm. seem so bad. Mm. You'll see; it's it's a pretty nice place. I'm excited to see it. Yeah. <laughs> so what are you hoping to leave the audience with? I mean, I'm sure mm. it sounds like a feast for the senses. Yeah, it really is. Um, you know, this is just, it's that old, it's its the wonderful human expression of love and then loss, and then luckily she gets, they get to be back together. And it's just, I don't know, enjoying beautiful art at this time in our, in our nation's history, I think is really important mm. to, I don't know, just sort of heal pain that, that's going on. I, you know. Right, well, and it is a broken man. Who's yeah. Healing yeah. Yeah. And that is beautiful. Yeah, but it's just I don't know the the torture he goes through. She dies twice. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. he has to lose her twice. That's just oh, exquisite pain. And to get to see that and go there and be able to go experience those emotions that somebody on stage is having through the medium of opera. It's just, it's wonderful. Luckily, you don't have to experience this yourself. You can see it on stage, you know? Yeah, it's really interesting because I think a lot about how we today are so besieged with with information. Mm -hmm. And in order to take in that kind of emotional beauty, you know, to take a couple of hours to sit back yeah. and breathe in that kind of beauty with human beings making that work before yeah. you, if you can unwind yourself it's exactly and it's a great way to do it yeah yeah so yeah i guess what, what i want the audience to take away is beauty joy but also like a nice respite from the world mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. well we have these 
cookie cluster. Oh, okay. Okay. So I those are just kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, okay. <laughs> that was good. First one. What piece of art changed the way you viewed the world and how? Oh, my gosh. Is there something that you remember? I'm just thinking back to when I was a kid. Sure. Um, but maybe something later. Yeah, well, so there's this one painting that I remember seeing when I was like in middle school or high school, and it really stuck with me. It was It's called Hylas and the Nymphs. It's by the painter John William Waterhouse. And this, funnily enough, this is when I was going through my Greek mythology phase. <laughs> so it was in this giant book of Greek mythology, and it's, it's this big painting of this beautiful youth. He was sent onto the island to gather water for his ship, and the nymphs find him to be so beautiful. Then they drag him into the water forever. So oh, you just nymphs. see that I know classic <laughs> nymphs. So you just see this this innocent youth looking down, and these these nymphs are they're just so beautiful and earnest and longing, and it's beautiful and kind of dark. Oh. But uh, I know it's it's this beautiful romantic painting. They're sort oh. of in a lily pond, and so. I don't know if that necessarily changed my view of the world, but it definitely had a large impact on me. Well, and the way you recall it is so vivid. <laughs> and, right. and it does, to my mind, uh, speak to the contradiction in the world yeah. of beauty and suffering. Yeah, yeah. And I, I guess I guess I kind of like my beauty with a little darkness, you know what I mean? Because well, that's, that's yeah, real life. All beauty, all beauty is just blah. Yeah. And fake anyway. Right. <laughs> Right. Opinion, but I it's true, you know, it's true. Well, and I, I myself am like this little blonde person from Kansas, mm -hmm. you know, and so I think a lot of times people will see me and think, oh, whatever, but there's a little more there's some in there, you know? <laughs> What's the most interesting thing you've read or seen this week? Oh, well, I have been going to see a lot of movies because um, in this particular show, your DJ's dead for half of it, so I've had some time off. <laughs> so I went and I saw I saw the movie American Animals. Oh, Have you heard of this no, movie? What's okay, that? so this is it's a true story. Um, it happened I think in like two thousand three or something. These four college students from Kentucky hmm. decided to rob their school's library of its rare book collection oh. because they thought oh it's just guarded by a librarian. You know, we'll go steal this original origin of the species and Audubon's beautiful bird books. We'll just sell those on the black market. And so this movie is part documentary, part kind of reenactment, and it's it's so well done, and it starts off like it's going to be, oh, this goofy heist movie, and it just kind of flips the script on you and delves deep into the effect they had on the one woman librarian, and they weren't even thinking about how this is going to affect her, another human. Oh, like, just get her out of the way. That's a person, you know? Wow. So, it was, I thought it was really well done. And I didn't even hear about the story when it came out in 2003. I no. didn't know it was real. Nor I. So, I didn't know how the story ends. Was it playing in a theater? Yeah, or? it was at, like, Fox Tower or something. Oh, I would say. Yeah, it was, it was great. Movie theaters. Oh, yes, yes. I, my, the hotel I'm staying at is, like, a block from living room theater. Oh. I've been there a lot. <laughs> oh, oh, I know where you're staying. Right. <laughs> yeah. The living room theaters. Right, so great. Yeah. So, is there a villain in literature or art that you really feel for? Oh, well, okay, so I'm, I'm married to another opera singer. He's a baritone. Mm -hmm. And baritones tend to play the villains. So, it's so interesting talking about characters with him. Oh, here because, you're a soprano. You're a little Right, I'm always an ingenue, and he's always the villain. And so, he never sees the villains 
as villains, which I think is the best way as an actor to approach it because mm-hmm. they're just people. Mm-hmm. They they have their goals and their wants, and that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Right. Just like the boys. Yes, exactly. We're going to steal the books. Right. You know, that's, they just don't think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I've also, even though I'm a soprano and I mostly do ingenue, I've had the opportunity to play a couple of villains, and it's been really exciting because it's always great area. Mm-hmm. So um, I... Um, <laughs> I did this Rossini opera called Semiramide, where um, she's the queen of Babylon, and she and her former lover poisoned her husband, the king, about ten years ago, and she becomes the queen, right? And so the opera starts when um, this lover has come back and is like, you owe me, I'm going to tell everybody what you did, and then of course her husband, the ghost, comes back, and she's really tormented, and she makes horrible choices, and she's not a good person, but... She did it because she thought that was what she needed to do at the time, you know, to make mm-hmm. the, the best life for her and her child. And I, I don't know. I, I guess that's one villain I really enjoy playing. Mm-hmm. And so I really can connect with feel for that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think if you just dig into more villain stories, you kind of, you kind of feel for them too. I don't know. That makes I kind of, a little weird. No, I think it, as I get older, that's something I think that might come with maturation. It's quite possible. You can't really see. Black and white's harder and harder. Right. You know? uh, my husband and I got into an argument over the musical Oklahoma. Oh. Because I grew up watching Oklahoma. And I shared this with him maybe a year ago. I think he'd never seen it before. Oh. And he kept talking about Judd, saying, what's wrong with Judd? Why won't Lori go with Judd? He seems like a nice guy. He's got a job. He's willing to take her to the dance. And this curly guy is being such a jerk to him. You're not supposed to like Judd, Patrick. What are you doing? Patrick, Patrick, Patrick. Right? You've got Come to on. see Oklahoma now Fair and get the real vibe on <laughs> Judd. But I always felt bad for Judd. In fact, the most yeah. recent incarnation of Oklahoma that I saw, I was just brokenhearted because mm-hmm. I knew something was wrong with him. Right. And I knew he was brokenhearted. Well, you know, and that's that's the best art when it's not black and white. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. life's not black and white. No. And why do we go see art? I, I I think it's so we can go and experience some problems that then we can maybe escape, and we don't actually have to take on ourselves. But then perhaps something we saw in that show will relate to us later and something we're doing in our own life, you know? Mm-hmm. And enjoy something beautiful and watch someone solve their own problems or not solve, see stuff. Right. And then you've got something to talk about. Yeah. Afterward, you yeah, can walk right. downtown Portland. Oh my goodness, what a fun <laughs> date night. Go to a happy hour after the show. So many things. <laughs> Orfeo e Uridice. At the Newmark Theater, you can see Lindsay Osi <laughs> at Portland Opera. You can check out portlandopera.org, and you can see the show between the dates of July 27th and August 4th. Thanks for listening to Adventures in Artslandia. Download the Artslandia app on iTunes, where you're going to find a comprehensive arts calendar that's the best in the West. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Artslandia.